We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Welcome, everybody. It is episode number six here on the Walkout Podcast. I'm Lance McCullers Jr. And I'm Carlos Correa. Welcome back to the Walkout Podcast. Man, what a good night of fights we had the other day. Shit, bro. It, w- it was better than expected. On paper, it didn't look like the greatest card ever, but the performances were so great, and I'm so happy for it, man. Yeah, I mean, on paper, even though you know you didn't have like the big, big names that everyone... I think is used to seeing maybe headline um, UFC um, pay-per-views. It was a really, really good deep card, major bantamweight, um, you know, implications that that were on this card. We'll talk, we'll, we'll get into and talk about. Um, I'm excited for that division, bro. I know, I think, was it Peter Yan that tweeted out? It was the best division. Yeah, and Peter Yan, yeah. Get out of yeah. here, Peter. We don't want to It's probably it. the second best right now, the, the, or the third. The, li- the lightweight division and the featherweight divisions, they disagree, yeah. I think. And the welterweight. It's, it's well, there's a lot too. of great divisions, which is good <laughs> for the UFC. So, man, I want to get right into this card. What do you think? Uh, bro, we have the knockout of the year right here, no doubt. Yeah, And I can't wait that. to talk about all of this. So let's just jump right in, bro. Let's do it, baby. Here we go. A number one UFC 250 recap coming up right now. All right, here we go. Any number one UFC 250 recap, bro. Just just run me through this this main card. I know we're gonna talk about the main card, but I gotta give a shout out to the prelims. I mean, every single fight on this card, except maybe the the Hooper fight, um, <laughs> was just was awesome. Yeah, amazing performances up and down the card. Great, great, great card all around. And when I say great card, I mean. The early prelims, the prelims, everything. Everything was great. All the fights were great. These guys are bringing it day in and day out. Yeah. They're showing up. They're putting great performances together. You see how much talent there is in the UFC, up-and-coming talent. You see it every single day. There were some great fights. Uh, one in the prelims I really liked was uh, Gilbert Burns' brother, yeah. Herbert Burns. Loved it. He put on a masterpiece on the mat, man. He transitioned into a, a choke, and he got the choke. It was very impressive. Um, the future is bright for him. A lot of options. Absolutely. He called out Bryce Mitchell, who is also a monster on the ground. I would love to see that fight. That would be a great fight. And another performance that impressed me a lot in the prelims was the Clark fight against Merrifield. Yeah. Two big boys. The grappler won the fight, but it was a great brawl. The future is bright for these kids also. Dude, it is such a great time to be either a fan of MMA and, and UFC, an old fan or a new fan. I got friends of mine um, who have just kind of started watching the sport now and are kind of mm-hmm. getting into it. Uh, maybe because I keep 
making him listen to our podcast, but, um, <laughs> and, and, and it's great to get in at this time because there are a lot of names that maybe otherwise would be on fight nights or maybe wouldn't really get the, the exposure they're getting. I know we keep kind of harping on this, but it's such a cool opportunity to watch guys that aren't necessarily ranked in the top 15 or in the top 10 yet. And, yeah. um, are earlier in the careers and are making big impact. It's, it's fun to see. Cause it's like watching brand new, the brand new fighters and they're bringing it, bro. They're taking advantage of these opportunities. Uncle Dana's in the back telling these boys, he's giving them $1,000 bonuses for, yeah. for, for these fights. Cash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder where you tell them. You tell them if you don't listen to a podcast and not playing Call of Duty with you or something. Well, I just like, I just like, will <laughs> passive aggressively, like send the link to the, for like our new episode. <laughs> I'd be like episode four episode five like let me know what you think that's funny so, i do the uh, same i do the same let's talk let's talk we don't talk a lot here in this podcast about the flyweights because you know we don't think that division is is that great right yeah. now but there was a performance yesterday by alex paris beating uh, he's number he's number nine right now that's about to change he beat number four for mega by leg kicks ko by leg kicks there's been only 11 in ufc history Ooh. there's been two in the past two ufc cards yeah there was so, the one the other day the, the knee the yeah back outside of the knee yeah so you're seeing gaichi with the leg kicks and all the damage that he did to ferguson and all the damage he's done to all his opponents i feel like that's what everybody's doing now um using the calf kick to slow their opponents down yeah. it don't matter how good you are man if you take 10 calf kicks you're gonna slow down yeah so before we get into the the, the main card and, and talk about Cody's knockout. He was even on the, he was crushing that front lead leg, bro. By the second oh. round, I mean, I don't know how the scorecards were shaken out with the judges. I thought uh, the first round was close. I had Cody winning the first, the second round. I may have Cody losing before the knockout, but that front leg was um, of a, it was, of busted. A Suncia, was busted, man. So it's a trend right now. It's, it is. It is a trend. And and why not? John Jones has been champion for a long time and he relies on the calf kick a lot. Yeah. And you can be the most powerful guy, but if you can't trans translate that power from your legs to your punches, it's not going to be knockouts after that. So um, great performance by Paris. I'm excited to see what's next. We got um, Benavides and Figueredo running it back yep. for the champion. So maybe he's next up for the title shot. Yeah. So run me down the main car, bro. Start, start with Amanda and Spencer. I mean... Talk about the greatness of Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez, without a doubt. A lot of people say um, maybe the greatest of all times. So, bro, there is no question that this woman Zero. is on top of the goats in the female division, bro. He, she is one fighter that come around in a lifetime, brother. When you look at Amanda and what she's done for this sport, for the female division, knocking out everybody Killing everybody has owned a title either on the uh, featherweight or the bantamweight division. I mean, it's, it's just impressive. What, this, what she did to Felicia Spencer, a lot of people were giving him a, uh, giving Felicia a chance because she was the better grappler. No, she was we not. We saw last night that she's not the best grappler in the Bro, game. I was So we watched the fights together, and in the third round, third or fourth round, Amanda started tossing Felicia around like a rag doll. And I, I looked at Carlos and I said, Amanda is literally just making statements every single time she fights, whether, you know, she's uh, submitting Tate, whether she knocks Holly home, um, Holly home out with a, with the with the, with the face kick, yeah. you know, now she's facing Spencer and she's, um, she had a chance to finish her, I think in the third or fourth round. Yeah. And she tried to go for the rear naked choke because she wants to prove to everybody your Whole greatest package. strength 
you're coming into this fight to beat me. I'm going to beat you with your greatest strength. Bro, that's She's like bullying people in there. What she did on that fight, you know, the predictions and everything, everybody had Amanda winning. But yeah. they said that Felicia's chance was to take her to the ground and win the fight on the ground because that's where she's good at. That's like Connor beating Khabib at his own game on the ground. Yes. That's like Connor coming to uh, Habib number two and taking him down and controlling him on the ground and almost submitting him on the ground and ground and pounding him on the ground. Like that's not going to happen. And this is what we thought was not going to happen. It's crazy, here. man. And Amanda showed that she's definitely the goat and that she's a whole package. She can do it all. I, I'm going to get rid of the, I'm going to get rid of like the, the goat of the women's like she's, she's gotta be like cracking the top 10, Top five, five, uh, top five. Uh, like f fighters of all time, regardless. It was, a, it's a baton race. Ronda, talk, talk Ronda to, started the, the race mm -hmm. and handed the baton off to, uh, to Amanda. And Amanda has, has finished this race. She has put women's fighting on the map forever, along with Shevchenko and other people. But man, I mean, it's hard special, in this era of special MMA fighter. In this era of MMA, it's hard to be a main event um, when you're in the female division. You saw it back in the day with Ronda. She was always main event, main event. Now you don't see a lot of main events uh, on the on the women's division. And Amanda did that for 250, and she did it with a great performance. And you talk about Ronda, and yeah, Holly beat Ronda, and she passed a baton to to Amanda, bro. But the levels that they both have and it's shown crazy. is it's, it's just unbelievable. Also, bro. with the with and also, I got her on the top five now, bro, because she's the first one. To defend both Two. titles, yeah, while still simultaneously, yeah, simultaneously while still yeah. holding them both. I think, man, she's just. Uh, I don't think we ever see another dude. The angle. So I was watching her punches in the slow mo, bro, and she threw this. She threw a big, big overhand right when when Felicia was was coming in, and it clipped her. And then the next, the next like little uh, mix up, Felicia came in again, and Amanda went for the big, the big right, and Felicia kind of put her arm up to block it, and Amanda stopped that big right, cut it off, and. And threw an angled shot straight down yep. and hit and hit a man um, hit Felicia in the cheek. It's like she was literally making adjustments mid punch. Her timing, yeah. the takedowns, the grappling, the cardio she showed. Two fights in a row now. She's pushed uh, five rounds with no problem. I mean, you know, bro, what's I got frustrating? nothing to say. I got you nothing know, to say. She's the she has nothing. She don't know what she does next. You know what's frustrating when you face like a, a girl like Amanda is that Felicia made some adjustments in that fight. She yeah. tried to make some adjustments. She, she started putting the hand up for the overhand and she was getting clipped by uppercuts. The body shot. Then then she was trying to push the pace and she was getting counter Crazy, on the way in. Bro. So like at that, and then she tried to grapple and Amanda took her down and controlled her. So yeah. at that point you're like, like, fuck, like, what yeah. am I supposed to there do There were a here? couple times That's Felicia frustrating. Felicia, um, you know, tried to try to take Amanda down, had had control, and then Amanda, yeah. you know, used her uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and just and just uh, judo tossed her. It was yeah. crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. This this pure. Oh, before we move on, Felicia Spencer is a, a tough, oh, tough, the toughest heart, the toughest of opponent. a champion uh, fighter around, bro. To to take that punishment and to keep coming now to you know like she did against cyborg hats off to her um she she's a warrior beautiful and beautiful moment at the end though yeah when, when Amanda put the belt the on her it was uh it was cool i'm sure that that she appreciated that yeah all right so moving on to talk to me about that sterling uh sanhagen fight one we were looking forward to we both had sanhagen probably taking that um man so so we had sanhagen winning that fight um and I always preach, man, grappling over striking. But Sanhagen looked like his grappling was great. He would get up every time he would get taken down. But then I watched the Embedded series, and he's 
he gets in the cage and he said, damn, this cage is small. I don't have a lot of room to move around. Mm. And I'm like, well. I don't like the way that sounds. Yeah, it's the same for everybody. So what are you talking about? Anyways, Sterling came out of the gate hot. He hot. pushed the pace. He literally sprint right at him. Started with the leg kicks. Pushing him against the fence. Caught a leg kick from San Hagen. Took him down. Backpacked him. Submit him. Just like that. It was a perfect performance. I mean, San Hagen is not a bomb, guys. Sam ha San Hagen is elite. He's elite at the bantamweight division. He's a 5'11 bantamweight with crisp striking. He's very elite. And what Sterling did to him shows me that Sterling is going to be the next champ of the bantamweight division mm. just because Cejudo retired. Yeah. So what Sterling showed us, Lance, is that he's great, that he's for real, and he's the real deal. Yeah, I think, um, I think people maybe... Uh, you know, were leaning toward uh, San Hagen and weren't giving maybe Sterling the much credit as he deserves. He's been around for a little while, a lot of fights in the UFC. Maybe they were, you know, everyone, including myself, just loved the striking of San Hagen. But the game plan from Sterling, mm -hmm. maybe he saw that embedded series, bro. And he yeah. said, I'm going to push this dude. He's not yeah. comfortable in this small cage. He's got nowhere to go. Yeah. As I mentioned on the last podcast, the, the, the cage at the U. A UFC apex is 25 feet. It is smaller than the normal um, cage that these guys fight in for these big events. So, and you guys might think it's only five feet. Like five feet is a big difference. That's the difference between one shuffle back to two shuffles. So yeah. five feet is, so now they got one shuffle to go back and their back is against the fence instead of two shuffles going back. So there's not a lot of room. So there. he pressed them. He, the, the leg kicks were flying. He was low. He was changing angles. He caught that leg kick and Sanhagen did a pretty good job the first time yeah. avoiding the, um, the rear naked could choke, but then he stayed down there on the ground, made, yeah. made a little bit of a mistake trying to control that right arm too much. Wrist, yeah. he, he got the left hook and then he brought the right and it was over. But um, I really would love to see, I would really love to see Sterling just get the title shot right away. We know it's not going to happen. It's going to be Peter Yan versus um, Baldo. Uh, I think Peter Yan's going to win that fight and Sterling versus uh, Peter Yan is going to be a, a great fight. Do you agree um, with Ariel? He said that in his eyes, Sterling is the champ of the bantamweight division. This fight deserves to be uh, for the bantamweight championship. I agree with him. That's good. Just point. because Sterling has been on a tear, San Hagen has also been on a tear, beating everybody on their way. Yeah. And these guys are probably the best bantamweights out there, and they fought. It was not for the title, but Peter Jammers Aldo. The problem I have, even though Aldo's a legend, mm -hmm. you know, eight title fight wins, uh, one of the greatest featherweight of all times, right up there with Max Holloway. And he's getting the title just because he's a legend. I, I don't agree with that. I, yeah. I don't want a guy that has has lost four of the last six yep. um, competing for the title. So Sterling is next up. Whoever wins, I think Peter Jan will win that fight easily. Peter Jan versus Aljo is going to be a great fight. And Aljo, Aljo main Sterling, yes. not Aldo. Yes, I, I, I agree. That's an interesting point. Yeah, they could have made Sterling versus Sanhagen um, for the belt because that's two versus four mm -hmm. uh, from last night, and, and and it was already vacated. So that would have been super cool if that would have happened. But Sterling's going to get the shot eventually. Um, it's going to be a great uh, a great fight whenever he does. I'm, I'm excited for him. The picture's not clear in a lot of these divisions, Lance. Which is great. Yeah, but like, why is Marlon Moraes not getting a title shot against Peter Jen and Aldo is? Moraes ranked number one. <laughs> Like, I don't know, call Mickey. Right? It's not making sense, but, you know, we love watching fights. Um, so then you go to the next uh, big fight on this card, which was obviously uh, the return of, of Cody Garbrandt. Um, mm. And he looked, he looked very patient. He looked like he was 
a, a little more crisp with his shots. He was yeah. he was being more methodical in there. Um, I like the way he looked. Obviously, the huge knockoff, the walk off knockout. What did you see the first two rounds before before the walk off? I saw I saw a Cody that was trying to battle his demons. I saw a Cody that was being um, careful. That he was being patient. Um, he's striking. We all know he's the fastest guy in the whole roster. His hands are just too fast for everybody. But the problem is that when they when they start countering him, that's when he has problems. In this fight, I saw a more technical Cody. Um, his new coach, Mark Henry, did a great job with that. Um, but fuck Mark Henry. Yeah. <laughs> but with that said, I didn't think that performance was great. I didn't think that performance was dominant. Because he fought a guy that's 38, Asun Sao. He's been around for a long time. That's yeah. great. But the knockout was impressive. Yes, he almost fell down on the stool and everything. That's impressive. We love to watch that. But when you look at that punch that he threw to knock him out, it's the exact same punch that he threw against Pedro Munoz and got clipped. The reason why he knocked out Asun Sao is because Asun Sao missed. Asun yep. Sao got there first because yep. Cody loaded that punch. But he missed and Cody landed. Pedro Munoz didn't miss. He clipped him first. So if he does that against the top guys like Sterling, like Peter John, like Dillashaw when he comes back, Moraes, like he's going to get clipped. So I want to see one more fight. Maybe he needs to get that win back against Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz is number seven right yeah, now. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. If he gets that win back, then he's back in the title shot. Um, you know what I want to see? Talk. I want to see Cody versus Sanhagen. Yeah, I like that. Because like Cody's that. probably going to jump up around the six six to five to six to seven range in the rankings. I think Sanhagen will probably retain the four, maybe drop one to five. I don't know. He probably won't he'll probably stay at four. Um, that would be a great fight um, to then see who, who could possibly yeah. fight Morales or, 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 or fight whoever for, for a title because Cody wants a title back. I mean, yeah. that's his end all be all, but I agree with you, man. I, I love seeing Cody win. I'm a big Cody fan. Um, the scorecards, though, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that that first round, Asun Kiao won, and then the second round was trending that way as well before before the walk-off. So I don't know if I saw enough to convince me that this he, Cody's a new fighter. Um, you know, I think he continues to work with Mark Henry, and maybe he develops develops his skills a little more. But um, yeah, you know, the it, walkout, the, the the knockoff walkout's going to overshadow the other the the uh, the whole second round and the first, which I didn't even know if he was winning the fight. Yeah, the the thing with the fight game is that when you get clipped like he has the past three fights, your confidence goes way down. You saw it with Pacquiao when he got knocked out by Marcus. You know, he was more cautious. Cody, the Cody that fought Dominic Cruz, he didn't give a fuck, man. No. He was out there. He was there. on a ramp. He was on a street. Yeah, he was confident. Dancing. He was showboating. He was telling them, meet me here, meet me there, meet me here. And now he's more cautious. He's not showboating as much. He's confident. You can tell he's down. He's not taking as many risks as he yeah. used to. So I kind of like that because I want to see him more technical, but I don't want him to shy away from a fight either. Yeah. The fight was kind of boring until that happened. It, yeah. was, it was just like a, a leg kick contest. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to see the old Cody combined with the new Cody. You yeah. know, I like those patient. leg kicks though. Yeah, yeah. I want to like see those that. leg kicks. But I want to see... Uh, better combos. punchings, yeah. Better combos, not not sitting on one punch. But it was great. It was great to see him back. It was yeah. great to see him win. That's yeah. great for the division. Cody's a big name, brother. I mean, you get three fight losing streak, you get the co-main event at UFC 250. Boy, he's a champion at 25 yeah. years old. You know, he. 
He's, he's got the swag. He's got the swag. He's got a, a, a large following. He has fought all the who's who's in that division. So of course it's going to be a big name. It's good for the division that that he won in that fashion. Probably your knockout of the year. Bro, look at that division. When TJ, when our boy TJ gets back, where's he going to fit in there? I mean, I say he gets. No, he gets a top five opponent when he comes back, for sure. I think He's so. He's not going to be ranked, but he'll get a top five opponent, hopefully beat him, and then get a title shot in the next couple fights. I hope so. I, he's going to be an animal when he comes back. Yeah, for sure. It's so ready. talk to me about the last big fight. Uh, my boy, Sugar. Woof. Um, you know, he, 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 looked, he looked pretty good. Now, that's, that's, that's a performance right there. He looked there. pretty good. When you fight guys... That are not at your level. That's what you're supposed to do, right there. What Sugar Chun did. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the guys and the records, and you know who had they fought and all that. Yeah, but if you win against bombs in a way where it's not convincing, then you know it doesn't tickle my pickle. Your career is not it's not as exciting. But when you do what Sugar Chun did against um, Wineland. I mean, that's that's some next level shit. Lance, please break down that uppercut feint yeah. to the overhand right for the knockout. I mean, that. So the, the the big debate going on has been who was the most impressive knockout of the night? Was it Cody or was it Sugar, my boy O'Malley? And I think it was O'Malley because you saw what beautiful technical um, feints, setups, and striking looks like all at one time. He comes in, he walks him down. He throws a fake upper with the, with, with the right. Wyland tries to block Wyland it. Kinda, you kind of see Wyland's hands drop to block it. Instead of rushing it, even though the hands were down, he feints a left, a quick little left. And then, and then Wyland's, Wyland got stiff, stood up, and then boom, straight overhand right. As soon as he connected, a man's turned around, walked away. The reason I was wow. so impressed with that is because you have so much technical, like, um, envisioning going on. You're, you're in a fight. So this guy who, you know, Wyland, we talked before the fight, mm -hmm. he brings the fight to guys and he's got mm -hmm. a mean right. So yep. he had to be careful with that. He walked him down. It was a champ. He walked him he down. Old, but he's a champ. Yeah, he walked him down, right, left, boom. And he turned around and he took off because he knew the way he connected. He knew his punch was crisp. And he said after the fight, he he didn't get that excited because he knew he was going to do that he for months. He saw it coming. He visualized it. You know, Sean O'Malley is a future star in the making for sure. He's gonna We're going to see him in the top 15 um, on the update next Monday. Um, this Monday, actually. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see his career. I think he should fight a top 10 guy next. He's ready. His striking looks very crisp. He looks like he's ready to compete with the top level. Um, guys, the two years, the two-year layoff that he had helping so much, because you can tell the fight, the, the way he's been fighting, the difference, the technicality, the power, the everything that he's doing. His jujitsu got so much better. I was watching the embedded series and his jujitsu's gotten so much better. So when you got that com combo of great striking, yeah. I mean, at least striking with great grappling, it's, you're going to be a problem. Yeah, he told Joe after the fight, he has no holes. He said yeah. that. He said, I got yeah. no holes. Yeah. I mean, I'm a complete fighter. Yeah. I don't expect him to say he has holes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't hear guys going up there that aren't confident in their grappling or jujitsu, you know, bragging about how they have no holes. They, they kind of try to talk about what they do great. I would love to see him, um, Sugar O'Malley versus maybe a Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy uh, Rivera is number eight in the Bantamweight, and he's coming off of two losses against Peter Yan and Sterling, both decision losses. I like that. Even, and that's a big fight. What about the the prospect also, um, Song Yadong? Um, 
I mean, what's he ranked? 13? 14. 14? No, I want, I want a top 10. You want a top 10? I want a top 10 against guys who... I want a top 10... Jimmy Rivera is for Reagan, bro. I don't want to see him get beat up. But listen, but here, here's my reasoning for the top 10. I mean, for Rivera, when I when I was looking at the stuff, because Rivera has fought the who's who's this division. Yeah, yeah. So you get a good gauge. So if he walks in there and dismantles this dude in the first, second round, like he just did the last couple fights, you're sitting there saying, we got mm. a problem on our hands. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the division is saying that. Yeah. He walks in there, gets a split decision. Maybe he... A uh, unanimous decision. You're saying, oh, he's going to be a good fighter still but he still can he still can put it that's a good gauge for me because he's mm -hmm. fought peter yan and sterling's last two test. fights that's a good test it's a good test against against a guy who's battle tested mm -hmm. and is good a good i think it's like 22 and 4 he's a great fighter yeah yeah i mean you're not top 10 uh, if you're not if you're great. a bum yeah so yeah jimmy rare is a great fight that that would be great channel miley has a uh, 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 bright future for sure he might be the next conor mcgregor now that conor is retired so um, it will be fun. It will be fun. Yeah. Before we turn it over to any number, uh, any number two, I want to touch on Cody Stamen, not to be confused, mm -hmm. um, with, uh, Stan Hagen. He fought at 145 last night. He was coming off of a very recent death of his younger brother. So I just want to say, um, you know, an amazing performance he had. It was a really good fight under crazy circumstances yeah. and, um, you know, losing a family member, can never be easy, especially brother. a younger brother. Um, so, uh, Cody, amazing fight. You looked great. You looked awesome at 145, too. I think you should maybe consider uh, giving 145 a run. But um, yeah. he's number 12 in the in the Bantamweight, and uh, he looked awesome last night. I, you, I could see um, Sugar fighting him or or something like that. But shout out to him. A lot of respect for Cody. That, that, was, that was great. Yeah. All right, y'all got any number two coming to you right now. All right, welcome to any number two here on the Walkout Podcast. We are joined by Lance Palmer, two-time uh, PFL champion uh, tournament winner and uh, current featherweight uh, champion of the PFL. Um, very excited to have you here, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, how you doing during these times? Doing good, man. I own uh, a couple businesses, so right now I'm out helping one of my buddies on a uh, patio, paver patio. So we do all out and landscape work and stuff like that so just staying busy i mean it one uh just because one thing closes down doesn't mean my door is closed i got a lot of stuff going on that's right absolutely you gotta love it um are, are you are you are you training are you getting ready even though the pfl tournament got canceled are you still you know doing your work and when is your next next fight gonna be well i'm staying ready uh i was just training with uh no gi world champ uh yesterday actually yesterday morning um, I, I still train. I still get, get my training in, uh, even though my, my main training camp is in New Jersey with Frankie Edgar and Eddie Alvarez. But, yeah. uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio. So a lot of times right now when I'm in between camps, I'm home and then I go out there for my official camps. But right now I'm just, uh, working and training from here. And luckily I have a lot of high level people around Ohio in the Midwest that I can still get good training with while I'm here. That's dope, man. Yeah. So for people out there who may not be super familiar with the uh, PFL's format, uh, the tournament format. So every year uh, they do a big tournament style and the winner gets a cool Millie. Isn't that cash, uh, Gets baby? a cool Millie. And our, <laughs> uh, our man here, uh, Lance, has won um, in 2018 and 2019. Um, he's on an 11 fight win streak. What's that feel like, bro, for for the people out there listening when when that uh, when that wire or that that mail gets sent in the check? 
it's pretty wild, man. I, I honestly, I, I argue a lot because I argue with PFL a lot on this because the actual quarters and semis of the tournament, uh, you fight twice in one night during that time period in the fall. So during October, those, yeah, in October. Yeah. And for those fights together, I make less than my regular season pay, which is my regular contract pay. Right. Because when you uh, go into, after the two regular season fights, you go into what is called the, the tournament, basically quarters, semis and finals. And that's part of the million dollar prize. And then the part, the regular season is your own fight purse. So I'm always like, I'm trying to push for like my actual fight purses for those two fights in one night, but absolutely, um, the format's great. Uh, it's it's different from anything else that we have in MMA. And, absolutely, um, that's tough. that's what's unique about it. And they didn't want to do a shortened season uh, with what was going on with COVID and all that stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully this year we'll still have a couple showcase fights with the former champions and some other guys that they're trying to push and. Um, you know, that's something that my manager is actually going to be talking with them today about is, uh, there has to be the UFC is doing it. Bellator is going to be doing it in July. Yeah. There's no reason not to have fights, even if it's in an empty arena. I mean, what's Absolutely. the, what's the reason for not doing it? I mean, the showcase fights would be just as great as the tournament. You can showcase people that you want to push for next season, or you can have the former champs just, you know, having great fights throughout the year and keep us busy. Uh, one thing you can't get back is time in your no life doubt. and mm -hmm. time in your prime, especially as an athlete, which, you know, is, um, you know, it's super important. And I feel like I'm pretty much in my prime right now. I'm on 11 fight win streak. And this is some of the, you know, some of the best fights that I've had in my career over the last two years. So to be just sitting all years, I feel like it's unfair, but I understand part of the reason, but I still feel like we could have fights throughout this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we know you're great friends with Cody Stamen and Cody Garbrand. Um, they compete in the UFC. Are we going to see the great Lance Palmer cross the UFC world? Or are you going to keep um, in PFL collecting that million dollar check, baby? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, when I first started fighting, I have this old laptop from college. And I put on the background of that laptop was the UFC belt. Obviously, there's a new UFC belt now, but the older one. And that was always my goal from the beginning was to try and compete for a UFC title at some point in my career. And I've taken a different road from a lot of other people. Uh, financially, it's been great to me, but obviously Absolutely. the competitor in me still wants to compete against who everybody in the media and the fans think are the best in the world because you can be a champion in any other, any other division, any other um, organization, but the UFC is still the cream of the crop when it comes to mm -hmm. what people think. And I'm not, I'm not really a person who cares what people think, but I've always wanted to be the UFC champ. Absolutely. So I feel like, I feel like that's something that's, um, in my future. If, you know, whether you win the belt or not, that's something that you can't really control. You can only put in the work and hope to get there. But, um, I think if the opportunity arises and I think if, If I get uh, a fair pay, obviously, to to compete in the UFC, I think that's definitely going to be an option. And if we don't come to an agreement with what's going on right now in the PFL, and maybe sooner yeah. or later, but you know, I have faith in the PFL that they'll do the right thing. But um, 
I don't know. I don't want to speak too soon. That'd be, that'd yeah, be that would be sweet because, you know, maybe a little crossover matchup, maybe uh, get something going on, you know, I don't know, one of the fight nights. Featherweight's that. tough. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you're a good, I think you're be a good matchup though for Volkanovski. I think that would be, that'd be a great fight. Uh, you know, I, I think you have the advantage on the ground for sure. Um, I think that would be sweet, man. And like you said, I mean, if you're if you're fighting professionally, I mean, all these guys are bad dudes. I, I think uh, that's something that maybe people overlook. Um, but no doubt, I, I like you said, um, just the general awareness of of fighting is definitely focused on the UFC. But there's no doubt, man, you're you're one of the baddest dudes walking on on this planet, especially in that in that featherweight division. I appreciate that, and that's the thing is, I I feel if I cross over to the UFC, I would fight a top ten guy right away, like. Me and Justin Gaethje were both champs in World Series of Fighting before it turned into PFL and Marla Moraes and both of those guys are in the top five. I mean, obviously, Gaethje's the interim champ right now, but right. I feel that uh, that our crossover with the competition that we're, we're getting in the PFL and World Series of Fighting is, uh, you know, it's top notch. You're not really fighting second rate people. You're either fighting people who were already in the UFC before or people who are up and comers who just haven't been found by the UFC yet, or, uh, you know, just early in their career. So I, I feel that I've fought guys that are competitive enough for the UFC and have competed in the UFC, but, um, you know, I'm not going to get an easy fight if I go in there. So I know I would get a top 10 opponent right away. You guys, there, there we go. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There we go. No warm up right. fight. No, we, that I, would be great I, to see though. Yeah, I get calls nonstop all day, so I apologize. No, oh, no, it's all good. good. I was going to ask you one more man. question. Um, what you got on your buddy's performances uh, this past Saturday? Um, Cody Garbrandt with that, you know, po probably the KO of the year. And then Cody um, still fighting, given the circumstances. And, you know, we know what happened with, with his brother. And it was very sad. It was uh, a very emotional moment after his win. But, you know, it was, it was a great performance by him. And he looked good. He looked strong. He looked quick what you what you got on your friends performances this past week so for cody stamen um just to be able to like a lot of people said it but just to be able to get out of bed and you know put your clothes on and go go to your job like even if you had a regular nine to five job after a mm -hmm. family member a close family member passes away that's hard enough but to be able to cut weight all week and to be able to stay focused on what the task at hand is and just knowing that's in the back of your head and staying focused all the way, staying focused all the way through that until the fight was over and then seeing the breakdown. And, and that was at 145 too. He's usually yeah, a Bantam weight. 135. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, I know he cuts a lot of weight to get the Bantam weight, but, um, you know, a lot of that probably helped with it too, not having to cut all the way to 135 during that time, like mentally going all through that and not having to put the physical stress on your body to get down to weight. Um, yeah. But he still had to cut a decent amount of weight. He's not a small guy for 35 or 45 per se. So for him to put on that kind of performance against a tough guy like Kelleher, that was, it was a great performance. I mean, even if you take away the circumstances, he had a great performance, like could be one of the better performances of his career. I agree. For uh, sure. With all, with all the stuff that has gone on in the past week with him. But, I, that was awesome. I was super happy to see him get the win. And, uh, I mean, who knows what's in his future? Maybe he stays at featherweight or he looks you know, so good. I, yeah. I mean, he looked, he looked great. And even at, even at bantamweight, he's great. And he's a, 
you know, he's in the top five, top 10 at Bantamweight, I think top five, but either way, I mean, whatever weight he goes, I mean, if he goes up to 45, he's still going to be, you know, he could crack the top 15 in one more. Absolutely. So when you, so now when you're a fighter and you're used to fighting at a certain weight and maybe you have to change uh, weight classes, when you put up a performance like that, you know, and obviously we already touched on it, uh, hit the, just the, the, the sheer resilience that he had and to even be able to, to make it to that fight and, and do what he did and train for that fight was unbelievable. But talking strictly performance wise, when you put up a performance like that against a tough opponent and maybe a weight class you're not used to fighting in, does that, does that as a fighter, would that pique your interest to stay at that, um, at that level, at that weight, maybe you felt more, you know, stronger, more powerful. I mean, how, how does a fighter interpret that after the fact? I think so, because you realize that you can still compete great and not suffer through the entire week and still have to cut some weight most likely, but not really kill yourself to get down there. I mean, we've seen it with Cowboy. He was on a nasty streak at 170. Uh, Pettis knocked out Wonder Boy at uh, 170. I mean, we've seen it with a lot of guys who are champs or you know competitors at a weight class below, and they'd go up and, and have a spectacular performance. I think um, the physical aspect of it is, I mean, scientifically, there's no doubt that it makes a difference, right. but, uh, mm -hmm. mentally is really like, if you're, if you're mentally, uh, confident going into it and then you put on a performance like that, it's like, why go back down if I can compete at this, unless you're, you know, m styles make fights really, but when right. it comes down to it, it's, it's 90% mental. Absolutely. 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 Well, man, we can't really thank you enough for your time. We hope to see you back in the, in the octagon soon. If you guys that are watching this, uh, right now have not seen, uh, Lance Palmer fight, you guys Ooh, go check out some of his out. YouTube. He's a bad, bad man. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you and following your career, man. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Hopefully we see you soon in the UFC octagon, brother. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, dude. I might start pushing for it then. I'm yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, bro. All right, brother. Well, hey, be safe. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, it. brother. All right, guys. We'll see you. All right, here we go. Any number three. And this week on the pod, we're going to go take a deep dive into the social media game. A lot of interesting um, conversations, a lot of interesting announcements have come the last couple oh, of days. Damn, bro. So I got, so I got one, two, three, four, five uh, the walkout podcast cards here. I'm going to, I'm going to be reading off some, uh, some social media topics for, for you to give me your opinion on. I'm you going ready? crazy over here, brother. This is, this is crazy. What's going on in the MMA world. All right, here we go. I think, you know, where I'm going to start. Yeah. Go ahead. Mr. Conor McGregor <laughs> has announced his retirement for the third time. And I'm going to read you four guys. Years. Third uh, time in four years. Yeah, I'm going to read you guys a little clip. Um, what he tweeted and what he's told Errol Hebwani. He said, um, this is Conor McGregor's tweet. Hey guys, I've decided to retire from fighting. Thank you all for the amazing memories. What a ride it has been. And then later on, Ariel posted a couple things that he spoke with Conor about. And he told Ariel, the game is just, the game just does not excite me. And that's that. All this waiting around, there's nothing happening. I'm going through the roster and there's really nothing for me at this minute. Nothing exciting. They should have kept the ball rolling. He means the UFC should have kept the ball rolling and it should have done me and Dustin and kept it rolling. Justin, Justin. Justin. He should have done uh, him versus Justin uh, Gaethje and kept it rolling. He's, of course, talking about for the intern title. So 
I, I interpret this a couple different ways and I'll give my opinion, but I want to hear what you think about what he said specifically and in the in announcing his retirement. I think Connor, it's just playing the game again. Um, he's trying to get the Gaethje fight before Khabib gets Gaethje. Um, that's a money fight, man. I mean, we all want to see um, um, Khabib and Connor too. But the reality is that Conor has a better chance of beating Gaethje and raising his status once again as one of the most dominant fighters in the game. Absolutely. Um, if Conor beats Gaethje, then he's going to get Habib, so he gets two paydays. Um, but if he beats Gaethje, man, in a convincing fashion, I'm talking about knockout, because we all know that Conor's not going to win a decision. He's going to win by knockout we if he's going to win. We all know that? Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> I mean, he only he's only beat... Nate Diaz by decision. It was really close. They had one, one, one judge had it as a draw. Um, so if Connor can beat Gaethje by knockout, then his status goes through the roof. The, one of the most dominant guys in the world, beating the best guys in the world once again. And then he gets Khabib. So I think he's just playing the cards right. Um, Dana White's calling the shots. He hates that because he makes all the fans think that he calls his shots when in reality, Dana White has the last say on everything. So he's kind of mad and frustrated with the UFC because he has a schedule where he wants to fight three times a year. And then he has no fights right now because Poirier is going to fight Hooker. Yep. Ferguson is out. Gage is going to fight Habib. So where does that leave him? So he's just frustrated, man. Right. I, I, I'm going to take this a couple of different ways. One, I am going to take this as Connor Bitching is again. finally <laughs> ready again to go through the killers yeah. because he's not retiring to shy away from a big fight or retiring because he wants more money or whatever the case may be that some of these other fighters are going through. Connor's sitting there saying, I've accomplished everything I've wanted to accomplish when I started out in this fight game. Mm -hmm. I wanted to change the game. He changed the motherfucking game. Mm -hmm. He made it global. He yeah. said, I wanted to be a superstar. He changed everybody's paychecks. He said, I wanted to be a superstar. He's a superstar, no doubt. Mm -hmm. He wanted to become champion in the UFC and he wanted to make that cash money and mm -hmm. he's done it. So at this point in Conor McGregor's life and career, he needs these fights that he has almost obsessing over. That tickle his pickle. He needs the, that, that excitement, that, that, that do or die type fight that really makes him um, want to train, bro. Like, yeah. you know, uh, he's at a certain status. So for me, reading these tweets and hearing what he's saying, I like it. Because I'm saying Connor wants the killers. Connor wants to go through the roster again. And he's saying, I'm retiring because you're not giving me Justin Gaethje, who's, we talk about all the time, Killer. the one of the most impressive fighters that Killer. we've seen, especially what he did to Ferguson. So I like this from Connor. He also said that the UFC is offering him fights that he don't want. And I think he means Nate Diaz. I don't think he wants Nate Diaz three, even though a lot of people want it. I've always said, I don't want to watch that fight because he doesn't do anything for his legacy. If anything, it's just a fight that's going to generate a lot of money. Yeah. But Connor beating Nate Diaz, like, so what? You beat Nate Diaz, so did 20 other guys. Yeah. Um, if you lose to Nate Diaz, then your status goes to the fucking ground. Yeah, you can't do, you're, you can't you're not do a, a top 10 fight. fighter anymore if you lose to Diaz twice. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is not an exciting fight for him. Now, if he beats Gaethje and Habib, then he's the goal. Yeah. And I got to I got to point out something. Connor has a point. He's he he's tired of waiting around because I'll tell you why. Even though Khabib is your boy, I want you to listen to something. Mm -hmm. My man's fought October 6th, 2018. Okay, mm -hmm. that was against Conor McGregor. That was the first fight against Conor. Mm -hmm. Then September. 11 months later, mm -hmm. he fights September 7th, 2019, 
against Poirier. Mm-hmm. And now he's not going to fight until September again. Once a year. So he's fighting three times in a span of 35 months. And God forbid anything else happens with this. And now he's going to be fighting in November or January. So I think a lot of fans are sick of the of the of him hold kind of holding the, the that division hostage. Because even Dana's saying his best play is to wait it out and see what happens. Why? Connor wants to fight. He's the biggest draw. He's the biggest name. He should fight. They can I do think, a fight for the interim championship. I think, I think Justin's nervous to take that fight. Against Connor? Yeah. He's he he's he's very Twitter finger happy whenever Connor comes up and he's saying, why would I take that fight now? Yada, yada, yada. He, I think he knows that, that he takes some serious risk in that Connor fight. And a lot of people out there think Connor's going to starch him. Nah, you want me to tell you what's going on there? What's going on there is Ali is the agent of Gaethje and Habib. Yeah, we know these, we know these things. So if Ali can make Gaethje and Habib happens, he means he gets percentage from Gaethje, percentage from Khabib to his pocket. That's what's going on right there. Bro, Ali's tweeting for Connor fights Justin and beats Gaethje, Ali gets big payday. If Gaethje beats Connor, then he goes and fights Khabib and they both get a big payday. Yeah, and if Justin loses, Connor fights Khabib, he gets even a bigger massive payday. If Gaethje loses to Khabib, to Connor, he will never fight Khabib. So what? Connor so, goes and fights Khabib no, no, and it's, no. it's, it's listen, way, it's listen, 10 times listen, bigger than you, Justin You're not saying Khabib. this right. If Gaethje fights Khabib, he loses, right? Khabib gets Connor. Connor loses. Gaethje gets Connor again. So he's making fucking four paydays instead of getting Connor Gaethje. Gaethje loses. Gaethje doesn't get any of them again. And then he's Khabib and Connor, and that's it for him. Bro. It's one more payday, bro. No. It's more millions. No. Yes. Bro. No. Yes. More millions, this bro. Is, this is typical. Khabib's not Business, fighting. Bro. He's inactive, in my opinion. He's super inactive. This is just being if Mayweather. If he doesn't this fight sport. in September, I want him stripped. He's just the Mayweather. I want him stripped if he doesn't fight in September. No, make that cash. That's not how this goes. You get, you're holding up the division. Guys that are in the top five can't fight because you haven't fought yet. And it and he's it, gonna fight. And it's continuous. It's he was supposed to fight in April too. Yeah, it's yeah. not his fault that the no, coronavirus hit. No, <laughs> I got a problem. I, I understand where Connor's coming from. He's upset. You know, I understand like you that pointed too. out. He's upset from the UFC yeah. standpoint. He wants to fight. He can't get the big fights. I think Justin is a little nervous to fight Connor. Um, and he just wants to wait out as long as possible, take his beating against Khabib, and then fight Connor. Um but he that may get jumped. I think he, I that, think AJ has a that, chance that to be may, champ, bro. That fight may get that fight may get jumped. Regardless, I think if if the UFC gets any indication, any indication, Khabib is not a lock for like early September. They should move with Connor. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say Connor Gage is more exciting than Habib Gage because it's yeah. gonna be a brawl. This is yeah. gonna be a real brawl, right? Like here. that. All right, so turning the page now, we got another little social dive here. We got Stipe Miocic, friend of the podcast, on his Instagram saying, quote, the time has come, unquote. What you what you got? Finally, Stipe, we've been dying for this. Stipe, we need you back out there against Cormier. That's a fight we want to watch. We want to see the two of the greatest heavyweights in the world of all times come Put an end to this trilogy. We yeah. need an end to this trilogy, to this rivalry. Yeah. The trilogy is going to dictate which one is the best, either yeah. Stipe or Cormier. And it's going to dictate who's in my top five. 
Big, impl- big implications. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's just a legacy fight, brother. For both. And Cormier is going to retire after this fight. So, you know, it's a win-win situation for him. It's a must-win situation how, for him, I should say. How many years do you think Stipe's got left? Oh, he's got he's got years. How, how old years? is Stipe? Let's see. How old is Stipe? Right I'm here? not sure. He's got to be in his mid-30s. Yeah, at least, man. He's he's one of the greatest, man. Let's you know, see. but I honestly, I'm, I'm very excited. I know when we talked to Stipe a couple episodes ago, he was, um, you know, talking about how he really wanted to fight. He was just waiting for the coronavirus to kind of clear up and for his gym to open again. Mm-hmm. And I guess the time has come means that his eyes healed up and the gym is reopened. And I want the best trilogy fight that can happen. So I, I'm glad that 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 he, he kind of waited it out. I would have hated to see him take this fight on a short training camp or a bad training camp because we want to see the best trilogy fight. It's 37. He's 37. I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying. We and Cormier's 41. So, you know, this is this not is everyone makes fight, it to man. 41, bro, at that at that level. Yeah. Cormier's is on our level, bro. So I'm excited that that's gonna happen. So that one's done. I'm throwing well, who you I'm got? Throwing who you stuff got? Here. Who you got? Who you got on that fight? I got my boy Stipe. Okay. Okay. I got my boy Stipe. You're gonna put money on Stipe? Yeah. Stipe will probably be a favorite in that fight. Even if he's not, I, I I'm going Stipe. Yeah. I'm really excited for that fight. Yeah. All right. I I'll, think he may have figured something out. Yeah, yeah. I'll go I'll go Cormier. I think he's going to wrestle. All right. Fight. Nice. All right, moving on to our next uh, social media topic. Dana White. Dana. First of all, shout out to Uncle Dana. The fact you're putting on these fights, I know you're working like 24-7. My mind's stressed out, We bro. love you for what you're doing. My mind's losing his hair. But he... <laughs> Wait, did you see you see Darren Till's? Yeah. <laughs> Dana Till. Dana Till. He said, go fight in Bellator. <laughs> I'm not paying you. But uh seriously, um, Dana, shout out to you, man. You're you're putting up some awesome, amazing cards, and we appreciate it during this time. So the first topic on Dana's, he's got, he he told ESPN that he would fight Dan Lebatard for 250k. If you're not familiar, Dan Lebatard called out um Dana saying he would fight Dana. And Dana has accepted. I think I think I've never seen Dana throw down punches, bro. I never seen pretty, him. I never he, seen he he's, 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 he's bulky and strong, but I never seen him throw punches. So I don't know how that's gonna play out. But I'm in for it, bro. I want to see. Have you seen Dan Lebatard? Come on. I I, I don't know who the that president, is. The uh, I don't know who that is. So. The president of the UFC, who's been in this game for forty years of his life, being a promoter and then to the UFC, being the president, can. Has to be able to throw down so at you, least something. So you think Rob Manfred can hit a home run for you? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> this is different. You seen Dan Levitar, bro? Look up know. a picture of Dan Levitar. I don't want to look, look up a picture. I got my boy Uncle Dana. I'm putting my money on Uncle Dana. <laughs> look up a picture. <laughs> There's no way Uncle Dana loses a fight to this guy. Who's on highly questionable? Look at this guy. Oh my! Look at this guy. Damn. I, I got think, he's, I think he's Cuban though. Shout out! Shout out to my Cuban brother. But uh, uh, must be able to say he will train him, right? Oh man, it don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> All right. Then he goes on to say he is now going to move away from the Masvidal Usman fight. He is going to turn to Burns, who's the new number one contender in that division, versus Usman. The teammates, he's turning to them to, to make that big fight. Uh, the, the, the division's got to move on, brother. If Masvidal don't want to fight or he's, you know, 
waiting for to to get paid more that's fine we gotta respect that you know what i mean you gotta pay whatever you think you're worth and you gotta fight uh, until you get whatever money you think you're worth but the division's gonna move on and gilbert burns is hungry mm. he's ready to fight if you come to fight next week he'll show up next he's an week animal, and bro. he'll make weight and he'll fight and he'll put on a great show and usman i honestly i think after watching gilbert burns beat up woodley i think gilbert burns is the biggest threat for Kamaru Usman. And I, I love Kamaru. You know I oh, love Kamaru. You, you have a huge man crush on and, Kamaru. And he's Gilbert a, he's, Burns. He's a beast. He's, an he's an a bad man. He's, he's the baddest man but in the welterweight. I said on the last podcast, I was watching the way um, that Burns was just taking it to Woodley on the feet and the way he took it to him on the ground. And I was like, yeah, damn. That looks good. My Very man's crisp. fluid, Chris, is Godzilla in there. And if they if they fight, you're going with Kamara Usman. Yeah, and I'm going with Gilbert Burns. So that would be a fun <laughs> fight. I love those fights. We don't have the same. I'm going picks. with Burns. So yeah. Burnsy, I'm gonna put this on the Instagram again. Yeah, my man I got Usman. You. My man Usman is a is a is a freak. Um, but Burns really showed that he's the biggest threat Did you in see that the, division. He just the. His he's massive in there. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't wear a shirt either if if, if I had Oof. that body. Shit so I mean? I'll both go to of shirt, them shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> so we go on to after the last fights. Uh, the reporters were asking Dana questions about all the retirements and all the uh, guys asking for money. And Dana got a little upset, and he quote said, "Anyone that doesn't want to roll with me can get the f off the bus. I'm not making anyone fight." Yeah, I just think. My man is just doing so much for the sport right now. And I think he's trying. I, he's trying so freaking hard, bro. And I think he's just, he's coming, he's, he's reaching the boiling point. Yeah, I can bro. see it. It's, it's, it's tough times right now for everybody, for everybody around the world. Um, you know, we're going through tough times. And then you got these fighters saying they don't want to fight because they want more money while the UFC is not making the gate money. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so complicated. We don't know the exact numbers that go behind the gate and the revenues and all that. But if the fighters think they should get paid more, they should go ahead and fight yeah. for it, man. I mean, the problem is, though, you sign a contract. Yeah. Like you guys, you know. Yeah. But that's I understand true. where Mass, but he sold Master Garden was sold out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's 18 million people in there. Yeah. So it, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But then some good news. Fight Island is in Abu Dhabi. Mm, love that. It's gonna be gold everywhere. Gold around the fucking I octagon. love gold. <laughs> the gold on the on the around the fucking fence of the octagon, bro. Abu Dhabi, bro, so fucking rich over there. <laughs> Everything is full of gold. gold. On the on the whole the whole arena, the whole octagon is made of gold. Bruce Buffer should have gold. his microphone full of gold in that island with but, a pet tiger and, next to and him. Bedazzled. Yeah, it's tying the tiger. <laughs> Assuming you can get the tiger to to roar on yeah. command. Okay, all right. That's all we got from Uncle Dana. Um, speaking of, you know, the fights, we got Masvidal on Twitter. Masvidal tweets out that he's been in this game for 16 years and he's never turned down a fight. He does not think he should be making half from his last fight, which was the fight for the BMF belt against Diaz. He should not be making half against Usman just because Usman can't sell a fight. I'm going to go first on this. I think Usman sells fights. I think people respect him. I think he has entered that upper echelon mm -hmm. of people respecting him as a fighter. Mm -hmm. It is obviously the gate. Yeah. It's obviously yeah. the gate. Yeah, for sure. And I no think, doubt. I think Masvidal has lightning in a bottle with the till it's a big knockout risk. with the stoppage with the three piece in a soda backstage. Askren. Ben Askren. He needs to wait it out. 
Don't be too mad on Twitter asking for your release, yeah. but just wait it out. Yeah. People are going to be back watching fights soon, I think. September, October, I think we'll get, we'll get people back in the stands. Hopefully. Yeah, at least 25%. Yeah. But um, Usman, the, that fight against Usman is a high-risk fight because, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough fight is for it him. I don't, see, I don't see him winning that fight. It's the champion. No, I'm saying that I don't see him winning that fight. So the high train is going to come to an end and then the money's not going to be the same after he loses to Usman in, a, in the way that I see that fight happening. So I think he needs to fight Nate and fight all these guys that he can beat and keep the high train coming. Yeah. And then at the end of the tunnel, fight Usman. Okay. He says that he wants out of his contract, even with seven fights left. There's no chance uh, he's out of his dude, contract. You can't get out of your contract. Stuff, man. Stuff. Dana White has control over these guys. But with that being said, I tweeted at you last night, Jorge. I said, fight someone, anyone. We need a three-piece in a soda. We need um, the blessing of Masvidal. We need the resurrection. We need the baptizing. So I hope you fight soon. Hope you get what you're looking for and you fight because we miss seeing you. And in the last section of the social dive, just got some random topics here. From the UFC. Talk to me. Talk to me. Um, floating around there on social. We got Henry Cejudo, the newly retired Henry Cejudo, wants to fight Ryan Garcia oh, in a boxing match. Ryan Garcia, for the people who don't know, listening or watching, is 20-0, 17 KOs. Um, debatable if he's really fought anyone up to his level, but he's still a, uh, he's still a pretty bad man in that ring. Yeah, he's very popular. He's got a lot of uh, social media following. Um, they're doing a good job promoting him. You know, in boxing, they, you know, put a lot of not so great fighters, um, just to put it like that, <laughs> um, in front of you so you can reach a stardom. But with that said, as, as good as Cejudo's been in the octagon, when you're focusing only on punches and, and you go box real professional boxers, it's going to be a tough night at the office because, you know, when you're in the MMA, in the octagon, you mix that up so well. So it's it's hard to predict what you're going to do next. But with the eight ounce gloves and how big they are and how much you can protect your face, it's going to be hard for him to touch Ryan Garcia. So, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know if he can win that one. I mean, if he's going to get 50 mil, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 milli. I would fight Mike Tyson for that. I'll I'll, I'll play a Sun Tzu if I get paid 50 million and I'll get knocked out cold, bro. <laughs> I'll Fuck fight that. Canelo Alvarez Oof. and get blacked out. I don't know. For that. It's just going to hit those body shots. You're going to be peeing blood for a week, bro. No, I'm going to go in there um, just covering the body <laughs> like this, walking up like this. Come on, baby. Let's go. When he graces Come you, on, you go baby. down on your ass up. I'm going to go down, ass I'm up. I'm going to go stiff and I'm do the Ben Askren <laughs> leg up. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm gonna walk up like this, like a little crunch. He's gonna he's gonna hit me on the on the top of the head. I'm just gonna go straight step, and I'm just gonna fall on the ground. <laughs> I need a doctor. Oh my god, Canelo! Uh, I love you, Canelo. Uh, John Jones says he's relinquishing the belt. He's done. He's been helping out uh, the local area in Albuquerque with the riding. Um, he says he's done. He says he's he's not gonna do it. A lot of these guys, man. You got two divisions at the bottom with no with no champion. You got the heavyweight, uh, light heavyweight saying he's relinquishing his belt. And before today, you had the heavyweights being held up. I mean, 
the guys like one through 15 and beyond are going at it. But the guys sitting there at the very top, they're being a little, uh, yeah, they're being a little stingy. Yeah. The picture's not clear in the UFC right now. And we don't have a main event yet for the next pay-per-view. So hopefully we get some Usman action Oof. or some Masvidal action or some Connor action. I need something. I need, I need, I need something huge from the UFC and hopefully we get that. Yeah. So we got, um, Woodley on Twitter or Instagram saying that he has already accepted his next fight, which is going to be against Colby Covington. He's just waiting for Colby to stop doing his um, MMA bookie uh, Instagram post or his bang energy Instagram post and um, fight him. <laughs> Colby's Instagram is ass. But I think I think with the way Woodley's been fighting, he needs to make some adjustments before getting back in the ring because it's going to be a long night against Colby if he keeps sitting on one punch. Yeah, bro. I mean... Say what you want about Colby. We kind of rag on him for the Instagram game. I mean, it's pretty awkward. It's pretty terrible. Um, but my man's can a man's can fight. Yeah, there's no fight. doubt about that. He can fight for sure. A man can fight. That'll be a good fight. And um, he likes he likes to throw down. Yeah. So, and our last topic of social media is uh, is the four year anniversary of Kimbo Slice. Yes. Uh, rest in peace. He unfortunately tragically passed early. Um, I think, I believe due to a heart attack four years ago, my man's really helped, um, change the game. For sure. Um, I watched him for hours fighting in the backyards of Miami. I actually saw Masvidal in there a couple of times. Um, so real legend. He's my man. Real um, legend. Did it his own real way. Legend. Um, you know, watching his fights was so much fun. Backyard fighting. It was great. It was real. And, uh, you know, we love you, Kimbo. Rest in peace. Yeah, baby. So, all right. That is it for, uh, the social dive and we have our closing coming up next all right we're in our closing segment here we cannot thank our man lance palmer enough for coming on the pod today um a bad bad man had an awesome time uh hope you guys enjoyed it man what do you think about the uh the episode today, uh, great, great episode great car ufc 250 great Woo. interview with our with our man lance palmer hopefully we get to see him in the ufc soon competing with the best of them in the ufc there's a stack division in the ufc waiting for him so hopefully he he does that crossover and 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 you know really exposes his talent and all his potential out there in the ufc yeah man for sure so we got a couple more uh fight nights coming up uh in the coming weeks and we'll be We'll be patiently waiting to hear about the next uh, big UFC we need a um, big fight, event. Um, next card. We need a big one. We need Masvidal Usman. We need you think Masvidal Connor, Connor. I like, what about Connor Masvidal? Masvidal wants more money yeah. because he fought Diaz. So he'd get that against Connor. Yep. Connor wants a, a, a challenge. Masvidal's size-wise and stylistically is probably a challenge. I don't know what's going backstage, but hopefully we get something done because I'm craving a big fight. I'm craving a Tony Ferguson I think we, we just got spoiled in the first yeah. fight out of the gates. And, and even uh, though there was no was fans. such a good card. Yeah, it was it was no fans, but it was still exciting. You Woo. know what I mean? That, that type of, the of build fighters. Up. The build-up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. hopefully we get Habib, Connor, uh, Masvidal, Usman, all these guys fighting soon. Yeah, well, Khabib probably won't fight until uh, 2027. 20, so, all right, guys. Well, that's all we got for today. We will uh, be seeing you soon. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right.